0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Abrupt Audio. You can find more episodes of this and many other podcasts at abruptaudio.com. Subscribe today to get the next episode automatically. Coming up on this week's Pixel Podcast. Steel jobs can be saved by text as energy researcher. US cinema chain AMC to allow customers to text during films. Facebook wants to kill apps and possibly even itself. And Microsoft sues US government over secret data access. You're listening to The Pixel Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of The Pixel Podcast. Of course, I'm your host as always, Ben. And this week, as always, I'm joined by Martin. Hello, Ben. Before we get things started this week, don't forget that you can follow us on our brand new Twitter page. It is at Pixel Podcast. You can check us out on the Abrupt Audio website at abruptaudio.com forward slash pixel. And you can find us on the Stitcher app for Android if you are one of those pesky Android users. And with that, let's dive straight into this week's catch-up topics. Caps Lock.
1: Preventing logging since 1980 pixel podcast okay our first article of this week is steel jobs can be saved by tech says energy researcher the uk steel industry is doomed unless it embraces cutting-edge technology a cambridge professor has warned professor julian allwood said the only way to save steel jobs was to make high-value products for industries which the uk leads the world New methods could scrub impurities from recycled steel to make products for aerospace and car industries, he said. It comes as efforts are being made to save thousands of jobs at Tata's steel port Talbot steel plant in South Wales. The announcement by Indian Company that says to sell its UK business is the latest blow to an industry which has seen a succession of job cuts. Professor Allwood said, current plans for steel industry did not go far enough because they did not utilise the latest technology. In a six-year study of the steel sector, the predicament of the steel industries appears stark. The global steel industry today has more capacity for making steel from iron ore than ever needed, he said. On average, products made with the steel last 35 to 40 years and around 90% of all used steel is collected. This is easy because it's magnetic. At the start of the year Tata's which currently employs 15,000 in the UK announced plans for 1,050 job cuts on top of the 1,200 it acts in October 15 and the 720 it cut last summer. The big argument points for all this is the high UK energy prices and the extra cost of climate change policies and the combination of China where there have been allegations that the Chinese steel is being sold in the UK at unrealistically low prices. And also the demand for steel worldwide has not returned to levels since the financial crisis. So obviously, there's a lot behind the curtain saying that China is selling it lower than we can, as well as energy prices rack up. And also the demand isn't no longer there. Ben, what are your thoughts about the job crisis,
0: as well as the steel industry as a whole? What do they need to do? I think if we can stay on top of that technology and keep things moving forward, then that should help give us a really good spot to make sure that uh, steel does stay in the UK, that we know we are still producing this very, very important material and that we're still very relevant in this industry. And I think something like that is definitely going to shape that. So I welcome any technology changes. It is very, very important. Uh, Technology can help make things safer as well. Steel industry is still a very dangerous industry with many incidents happening every year. Hopefully, things like that will improve situations and move us forward looking into the future. I think the
1: phrase is adapt or die, and it seems that we're not adapting, so we are dying. We need to keep our steel industry. At one point, it was the envy of the world back in the 1940s, and I feel like if we get the cutting-edge technology that we can get our hands on, it will put us right on back of the top of the ladder.
0: So our next article is all to do with vape. Now, unless you've been hiding under some sort of convoluted bush recently, you will be completely aware of the vape revolution that's going on. Well, the article from The Verge here is talking about uh, 3 million American teens and how they've been using e-cigarettes in 2015. Teen tobacco use hasn't declined at all since 2011, and it looks like the rising popularity of e-cigarettes is to blame. A CDC report published today shows that in just four years, the rate of e-cigs use among high school students increased tenfold, rising to 16% in 2015 from 1.5% in 2011. For middle school students, the rate of e-cigs use rose to 5% from 0.6% in 2011. The rate of high school students who smoke regular cigarettes declined to 9% in 2015 from 16% in 2011. But e-cigs are more popular than ever. In 2015, the number of middle and high school students who said they were current users of e-cigarettes rose to 3 million, up from 2.5 million in 2014, the CDC says. That means that of the 4.7 million students who said they... Were current users of at least one tobacco product last year, more than half used e-cigs. So even though teens aren't smoking conventional cigarettes as much as they once did, they're definitely still consuming nicotine. A quote here says, E-cigarettes are now the most commonly used tobacco products among youth, and use continues to climb, that CDC director Tom Fraden said in a statement. No form of youth tobacco is safe. Nicotine is an addictive drug, and use during adolescence may cause lasting harm to brain development. This isn't the first time the CDC has warned Americans about teens using these battery-powered devices, which vaporise liquid nicotine. Last year, the agency called the phenomenon alarming, and this past January, the CDC announced the 18.3 million middle school and high school students have been exposed to ads for e-cigs in 2014 because e-cigs come in many different flavors like vanilla and chocolate that are particularly appealing to teens. Now, this is the really worrying thing. We're talking about America in this article and obviously there are some listeners who are in America, so it's definitely applicable to them. But it's still just as applicable to us here in the UK. E-cigs are 100% on the rise and I think uh, they are kind of unsafe in the way that regulatory bodies and, and, and the form that we regulate uh, normal cigarettes hasn't really caught up with e cigarettes and that is a little bit worrying like you say in the article there are many many different flavors and you can't deny that some of the different flavors out there are appealing to the younger generation bubblegum and you know strawberry and all these other ones they're not appealing to people who are ex-cigarette smokers who probably don't want those and want the normal cigarette smelling they're making oh look it's fun and thing everyone can get involved it's harmless it's bubblegum flavor and all this stuff and it is a little bit worrying and uh, I know that it's not as harmful as proper smoking but I think the question you've really got to ask the people who are now using e-cigarettes would there have been the people who would have picked up a normal cigarette, and I think in many cases maybe not. Uh, the chances of them doing it would have 100% be a lot less because of the regulatory bodies, and also because it is less appealing uh, to have the taste of cigarettes. Which, unless you like cigarettes, cigarettes and smoke them regularly uh, and addicted to them, there's not particularly anything nice about them. Whereas these are sort of uh, very glitzy and, and glamorous, and, and try and make smoking look in that same sort of way. That's my concern, and uh, I think the the body has a right to be concerned here. I think there needs to be be more done. Advertising is everywhere. You can't move in a city centre these days without uh, little vendors selling them, shops popping up, selling them. It is everywhere. You're being bombarded as a shopper. And I don't think it's right. Martin, how do you feel? I feel personally
1: that the marketing campaign is a little to blame here. Like you said, they're promoting it as fun and in- enjoyable with this like bubblegum flavour, chocolate flavour, vanilla, and all the other flavours under the sun. And I feel like it's encouraging teens back like what the early campaigns of smoking was like, if you smoke, you're cool. Now they're saying if you vape, you're cool. And I feel like we need a crackdown on this. It does hurt development and growth, especially for younger children. It was original alternative was to say to smokers, hey, there's a way out, you know, and gradually stop them smoking. But now they're just saying, oh, it's cool. Anyone can enjoy. And I feel like if as a parent, you need to say to, to your child, like, look, you need to stop. And I don't need to get hooked on this because once you're hooked,
0: That'll be it. Yeah, Mine, I completely agree with you. And honestly, what's really more worrying, and I think people don't really realise, and especially obviously the younger generation, wouldn't even cross their mind. There are so many vendors making them that honestly, there's no regulatory body. So anything could actually be in these vape things. Generally, vapes are good uh, in terms of compared to smoking. There's nothing really harmful in them. The nicotine itself obviously is the harmful bit. But we don't know where particular batches are made. You know, you buy one on the market, could be made anywhere, could be made in someone's, you know, bathroom in their house. It could have made it in China. could have been made absolutely anywhere. We don't know what's in them. There's nothing stopping anything from being in these things. And I think that's the really worrying thing. There is no proper regulation in place. And, uh, you know, if you're someone who smokes, then the chances are that's far better for you. It is far better for you. We're not saying that vaping is something that hasn't done a lot of good. It is a lot of good for a lot of people. Um, smoking is a very, very bad alternative. And uh, being able to have something that is miles better from the crap that's in cigarettes and the harm that cigarettes and smoking does do, then obviously, that's a good thing. So, We're not saying that e-cigs are completely bad. We're just saying that I think at the moment we're in a worrying territory where some people who maybe shouldn't be targeted uh, are being targeted because there is no one standing in the way and stopping them.
1: Okay, for our next topic is US cinema chain AMC set to allow customers to text during films. One of the largest cinema chains in the US is considering letting customers use mobile phones during films. AMC chief directive... Adam Aron, said he wanted to encourage so-called millennials to visit the cinema. He told Variety magazine, you can't tell a 22-year-old to turn off their cell phone. That's not how they live their life. But he said he would like to find a solution that did not disturb other moviegoers. AMC operates almost 400 cinemas in the United States with more than 5,000 screens. The chain also has a UK multi-screen complex in Manchester. In February, the firm announced its intention to buy rival Carmike, which will make it the largest cinema chain in U.S. So, Ben, my question to you is, is this... Just deployed to bring in the younger generation, as we have seen a, a fall in attendance going to uh, cinemas recently. Do you feel that like it's just a marketing campaign for that?
0: Well, yeah, I understand that there is a fall in the number of young visitors uh, to the cinema. That there's not as many young people going to the cinema as there was when, let's say, your parents were younger. And I understand that that may be an issue for the cinema. They're trying desperately, and it does seem like a desperate measure to try and get people to come. Now, honestly, I think the reasoning behind this, and call me stupid if you think that it's a crazy prospect that i'm saying the reason that there's a fall is because something called the internet has arose and people like to watch films even you know let's say it Illegally, sometimes on the internet, um, or da- did you download them? Wait till they come out on other forms of streaming, Netflix, for instance, rather than go to the cinema. There's there's more competition than there used to be. Uh, it used to be, you know, when these, let's say, some of these adults were younger, there was less channels on TV. So if there wasn't anything on TV you're interested, then you might go to the cinema because uh, you know that's that's the only other option you've got, or VHS or something like that. If it depends how far back we're talking, of course. Uh, but VHS wasn't that great. The quality's not amazing, and uh, you know you'd rent the DVD, you'd have to then rewind it from the beginning then watch the whole thing. Anyway. It wasn't a great experience in comparison to what the cinema offered. But now, people at home, they have Suram Sound, they have Blu-rays, they have really good screens. They can do it at home. It's cheaper. Cinemas are ridiculously expensive. Uh, You know, even in America, still ridiculously expensive. So people are looking at other options. They're watching them online, they're buying Blu-rays, you know, they're they're doing it more uh, in their house and they're going out less to these cinemas because of things like that. That's what I reckon. There's more choice. It's not something that allowing someone to text in a cinema is going to solve. And this is where I come in and say my pure disgust at the fact that uh, they're allowing people might be allowing people to text in the cinema if any, if I see any phone lights during um, a cinema unless like that person that's called them to say something really serious has happened which is fair enough then I get so annoyed because you're paying let, let's go back a bit a lot of money, because it is really expensive, to go and watch a film. I want to enjoy that film as it was. You know, call me silly as being a film student that uh, I want to be immersed and, and engaged by the film, but you pay that money. You're going out specifically to go and watch this film. I want to see the film. I don't want to have a conversation with someone that I could have talked to at home for free um, and waste that time and not enjoy the film. And when people do spend off the time on the phone, um, even honestly, sometimes in the living room with some people, like I just stuck to their phone, I just look over and I'm like, why are you supposedly watch it why do you supposedly agree to watch this with me because you're not watching it you're on your phone so it's something I definitely don't agree with and uh, honestly I think the reasoning behind it is not going to work like I said there's too, there's too many other reasons why um, people aren't coming to the cinema and just because you can't text in the cinema I think that's a bit perplexing to say that that's the main reason
1: I'm going to touch back on a previous comment you said there's more competition out there like Netflix the internet and you can watch it all for free I actually when I went back for, for Easter with my mum we actually had a conversation where she had to go two miles out her way to go to the local cinema and she watched little cartoons and little flicks off there that was sort of her tv because my grandma and granddad they didn't have a tv until very late in in their lives and so for now now that like our generation have the internet and stuff it is quite um i understand they're trying to bring people in of our age but like you said it's not going to work if i can text in a cinema i could just do it at home it, it's not the answer to me and I've recently gone to a a few screenings at cinemas and there's hardly anyone there. And like you said, the answer is not so
0: you can text in the cinema. So next on Pixel Podcast, we're talking about Facebook Messenger bots and how the site hopes to kill apps and maybe even Facebook itself with its new chat box. Now, Facebook have recently had one of their conferences and launched a new technology that it hopes will kill the app. Mark Zuckerberg's vision is being led by artificially intelligent bots that will talk to people and help them with their lives. At the moment, the vision still feels a long way off. Those apps are now available within Messenger, but mostly offer multiple choice questions. But the company hopes that they will eventually be powered by AI and will let people conduct normal conversations with bots rather than customer service phone lines. Uh, that will allow the company to do away with some of the most central parts of the modern technology. The company will allow people to chat over its messenger platform rather than downloading individual apps for each company that they use. Facebook has occasionally had an aggressive relationship with the platforms that existed on. It has been gradually becoming the internet itself for many people. And it has been argued that the company is gradually eating the entire web. The company was rumored to be launching its own phone some time ago, but has since concentrated on extending its research into those made by other companies. Eventually, that same relationship might extend to the Facebook app itself. The company has been gradually moving out of relying on the app, instead unbundling its features into their own devoted apps such as Messenger and recent acquisition WhatsApp and virtual reality from Oculus. Mark Zuckerberg revealed at the F8 Developer Conference how chatbots were just the beginning of a 10-year roadmap that would end with giving everyone in the world the power to share everything with anyone. That includes building planes that will fly around the world, beaming internet signals to those unconnected places. But for now, the chatbots are limited to use mostly by businesses and other organizations that will let people pay services like flower delivery or buy things such as tickets. A quote here says, we think you should just be able to message a business the same way that you message a friend. That being Mark Zuckerberg arguing that there isn't a person in the world who likes to call customer service lines. And that is exactly true. I don't like customer service lines. I think customer service has definitely gone downhill, And I do actually, in a weird way, welcome these bots. And it's not the first time I've seen it. And Microsoft, have been talking about doing the same thing with their Skype bots. And demos I've seen have been really cool. You can almost talk to them like a human and say, I want to go and do this. Like you do to Siri, maybe you say, I want to go and book um, a dinner table at this thing. And then what that bot does is it then connects to maybe the bot that works at that restaurant. So a bot that's maybe Frankie's and Benny's, connects you to that Frankie's and Benny's bot. That Frankie's and Benny's bot then confirms your reservation and then pulls you back. So it's almost like having a little personal assistant bot that then pulls in other bots that does the jobs you need to do so that really you don't have to make a phone call. You can just type away in the chat and uh, it does all of it automatically, which is really cool. And personally, I'm a big favor of this. I don't like calling people up sometimes on customer service lines because often I talk to someone who doesn't understand what I'm saying and uh, wait on the line for half an hour to probably argue with the person over the phone and feel frustrated by the end of it. So I welcome this. Um, I honestly do. I Don't generally dive in and and use chat, online chats on companies such as Apple and O2 and stuff if I do want to get something done rather than call up. Because honestly, I'd rather be able to get stuff done and just type away on a chat than have to actually dedicate to staying on the phone and, uh, you know, running out of signal probably halfway through, getting hung up on or getting bad customer service. Martin, how do you feel? Okay, the only thing I really have to say is as long as it makes life
1: easier and easy to use for the average person, then I'm all for this. For our next topic, new console launches could be imminent, GameStop executive says. Speaking today at GameStop, investor analyst Day Briefing in Texas, COO Tony Bartle commented on the rumors about new PlayStation, Xbox and Nintendo consoles, saying the launch of at least some of these seems imminent. The executive stressed the GameStop has not yet built the consoles and virtual reality platforms into its earnings projection, but explained that they represent areas of potential growth for the company. A quote here from Bartle, although we have not modelled extensive growth or new innovation in its presentation, we're very pleased to see the introduction of technology like virtual reality and rumoured new console launches, some of which seem imminent. A recent Wall Street Journal report claimed that Sony would announce a new, more powerful PS4 before October. It's also rumoured Nintendo will launch a new system, the NX, as early as the end of the year, which could qualify as imminent. Microsoft, too, has spoken about the possibility of a new Xbox through no timing for release has been required officially or otherwise. New hardware launches would theoretically be a boon for the GameStop, so it's not surprising to hear that Bartle speaks enthusiastically about them
0: obviously there's no doubt that GameStop would benefit greatly from any new console variation drops there's two things that I think are actually more than likely possible the first thing is Nintendo's going to drop another console I think that's more than likely possible uh, and that's going to happen anytime soon Uh, they are due another console um, in in any time in the next couple of years so we'll see how that goes Microsoft and Sony are unlikely to drop another console uh, in terms of a full blown new console anytime soon they're still quite early on in the development of these consoles and just starting to pick up pace and do really good things with them. But, like I said... There's a second point. The really interesting thing, I think, to think about is the fact that PlayStation have dropped the VR headset. Now, as we know, VR is very, very demanding. And the PlayStation uh, VR kit is going to run in a sort of minimal um, sort of way to give you a decent VR experience, but nothing going to match maybe what some of the high end PCs are going to be able to offer through the Oculus Rift and Vive. So. Would PlayStation drop a really beefy PlayStation 4? Some people calling it the PlayStation 4K. See what they've done with the name there. Uh, it's possible. It's very, very possible. It would make maybe, um, you know, a, a, a pro sort of gamer who wants to maybe really get into VR, someone who wants the full experience. It might make them want to get that and get involved. It could work well for PlayStation. It could make things more confusing. It could go either way, and uh, I don't really know what to say on this. Normally... Console manufacturers want to keep things generally simple because it makes it more complex for developers and it also makes it more complex for them in terms of what they're trying to push. They might make a PlayStation 4 Pro, like I said, for VR. It, it, that is possible, I think. Um, it wouldn't take them a lot to do. But the question is then, what where would the gap be between PlayStation 4 Pro, let's say if it is called Pro, don't know, uh, and then PlayStation 5? The PlayStation 5 might have to be considerably better than this Pro one uh, which would then be a weird, really weird jump for them, I think. So, honestly, the more I talk about it, the more I'm sort of pushing myself away about saying anything to do with PlayStation 4, you know, .5, PlayStation 5, or the new Xbox, if there is anything. <clears throat> I think they'll stay as they are. Keep adding accessories. PlayStation got the VR stuff for nintendo certainly i think will bring out something new in a while and i welcome that uh you know gamestop uh, are talking in a way that you know when when something drops new from the companies they're going to benefit from it of course they are that's the way they work and you know that could be in any time in the future so uh, they're really not giving anything away here or telling us anything we don't already know with that we wrap up this week's catch-up topics if you think patience is a virtue try surfing the net on a 14.4k dial-up connection You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. Our main topic this week is all to do with Microsoft and how they're suing the US government over secret customer data access. Data access has been a very big word recently and it's been thrown around a lot by different companies. WhatsApp last week, encrypting users' data, the argument between FBI and Apple over Apple not allowing the FBI access to data. But Microsoft is the next in the line of data talks. They're suing the US government in a bid to tell its users when their data has secretly been accessed by law enforcement agencies. The lawsuit filed by the company says its customers shouldn't be kept in the dark when officials seek to access emails or other private information stored when it has reason to believe disclosure to that person may hinder an investigation. A quote here says Microsoft brings this case because its customers have the right to know when the government obtains a warrant to read their emails and because Microsoft has a right to tell them, the company says. The US Electronic Communications Privacy Act, written in 1986 under section 2705B, prevents companies about telling customers about authorised wiretapping when it may damage an investigation. Microsoft said that 5,624 requests for customer data were made by the US government in the last 18 months. Nearly half of these came with orders saying the information should be kept secret. With more and more people using cloud services, Microsoft argued that the government was seeking access to their most private and sensitive information. The implication of using cloud services is that nobody would know when their data was accessed. People do not give up the rights when they move their private information from physical storage to the cloud, the lawsuit says. The company represented by lawyer Davis Wright Termain said that orders issued under Section 2705B violate the Fourth Amendment. This gives citizens the constitutional right to be protected from unreasonable searches, seizures, and warrants. As a result, Microsoft has argued this section of the Act should be ruled unconstitutional. I don't know where you guys listening right now fit and agree with this, but I am 100% agreeing with Microsoft's saying here. Now, this is something that was written. In the Electronic Communication Privacy Act, 1986, a long, long time ago, before the majority of the services we use every day even existed, there was just a brainchild of someone in a lab somewhere. So I think things have to change as our technologies change. So the data you could once have accessed on the internet is very, very different. People's lives are on the internet. And, you know, if people are using the cloud services, they've got, you know, Documents that might be like a personal um, reports from companies on employers, could be personal bank statements, could be anything that's really sensitive information. And we know what governments are like. They are hopeless with trusting themselves with any form of data. And if any of that got leaked or was in, in the hands of the government, I'd like to know about it, not find out in some sort of leak later on down the line. So I'm all for this Obviously, it's really not some su- surprise, really, if you do know me very well. I'm a very technologically uh, advanced person, so I don't agree with uh, with the governments, uh, even US governments, being able to access some of that data without me knowing about it. I think it is my right to know uh, when any organization, whoever they are, access my data. Obviously, we are in the UK, so I'm not as worried at the moment, but, you know... We tend to follow the U.S. a lot. So uh, if this happens in the U.S., there's no doubt in my mind that it would come over to the U.K. as well. Martin, uh, does this pose a threat to you, do you think, especially with um, some of the recent articles and stuff going on and leaks and and vice versa?
1: Okay, I want to start off saying that I'm definitely on the fence here. I've backed uh, Microsoft and WhatsApp for encrypting everything, which I think is great. But now I more see the light of where the government is standing I understand the government's point of view saying we just want to go into people's privacy. You know, if it is an investigation on, say, a murder or something, um, we want to know about it straight away, which I understand. But I also understand Microsoft's reason to say, look, we want to give them an email to say, look, uh, the government are going for your stuff. So I don't know watch out would be the message, it seems like. But for me, I might more side on the US government here. And that's on the pure basis of like if it's. Criminal record and stuff, but I feel like you have to, they must have a massive reason to do it. They can't just go, oh, we just want to use this person's account. Oh, Ben here, we just want to go for his account, go for his privacy. And I feel like uh, Microsoft are doing the right thing, taking it to court, and hopefully, a new a uh, document comes out
0: where both parties can win. I understand what you're saying, Martin, but think of it this way, right? If um, the government wanted to get access to physical items in your house, they'd have to have a warrant. They'd have to have a genuinely proven reason. And I think by not letting customers know, the government could literally for no reason go, do you know what? I want to access your data. Microsoft can't argue with them. They can go, They they have to really comply with it unless they do an Apple move and go, it's encrypted. We can't do anything about it. Sorry. Um, But you know, if they're not doing that, uh, then they have to give it up to them for whatever reason that is. So if I was a customer, I'd like to know about it. Would you like the police to barge down your door, walk in your house, not give you any reason to start going through your stuff? What is the difference, Martin?
1: Very true. And again, this is where I sit mostly on the fence, but I still lean towards the government. I understand that you need a warrant to go through uh, physical items. There should be a way of going through uh, electronic items, which I said, we need to find a compromise where both parties can win. Um, I think the problem is if I said to you, "Oh, the government wants to access your email. Do you give them permission and stuff?" And you go, "No," then you can tamper with everything. You can get rid of everything quickly. Put it, stick it on a USB drive, like delete documents, which are, could prove vital in an investigation.
0: That's not what this is saying. This is saying letting them know, not asking permission, but just letting them know that it is going on so that you can maybe, if you feel that it's unfair and and there's other stuff going on, you have at least a chance of knowing about it uh, before you get sort of arrested or something, of going to maybe a local court and saying, look, um, I don't think it's right that I've been investigated for this. And, you know, make sure the police are doing these failures. We know... There are crooked cops out there and, you know, they don't always do things for the right reason sometimes. So I think sometimes it's not a bad idea to allow the general public to at least have the chance of being able to know what's going on. And I don't know. That's how I personally feel. I don't know if we're going to find a complete agreement here on this podcast. But I think, you know, if you guys want to let us know either way how you feel about this topic, you should definitely tweet us at Pixel Podcast. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. Get a life. I'm a gamer. I've got plenty of life. Before we get into this week's versus topic, two weeks ago, as I was ill last week, we set a versus topic which is all about VR. Is it enhancing our social life or is it making us more isolated? Martin and I battled it out and you guys have been voting ever since. So, the results, Martin, are you ready? No. You're not ready? <laughs> no, not okay. at all. Okay, I am in the lead. It is 4-3 at the moment. It yes. is 4-3. So, you need to win in order to keep uh, level pegging with me at, into this next versus question. So, uh, what do you think your results were? I wish I got a vote.
1: If I lost now, I'll be happy. If I only got that one vote. If I get no votes again, I might actually cry a little.
0: Okay, so this week, actually, there has only been two votes. There Mm -hmm. really is only been two votes. So I asked for more than we had last week. We ended with less. But that's fine, guys. We love you anyway. So, it's a landslide again. The winner is. Drumroll, please. Martin, you won. Wow, that actually shot me. Because when you were saying, oh, it's a landslide, like, well, here it is again. Like, <laughs> <laughs> No, you won, well done. We're talking about backwards compatibility this week. A quote here says, "I'm not a great believer in backwards compatibility." That's former PlayStation executive. Backwards compatibility is a major selling point. At least, that's what we have been told. It can help ease transitions between console generation, and it is a very consumer-friendly move. Nintendo has always been at the forefront of backwards compatibility, with continuous support for their previous handhelds each time they introduce a new one, and extremely faithful hardware-based backwards compatibility on their console, at the very least since the launch of the Wii. Microsoft and Sony have been iffy on that front. Sony used to provide full backwards compatibility with their consoles before they cut the feature in the PS3 mid-cycle only to not have it return on the PS4 and only in a very limited fashion on the PS Vita. Xbox has never been fully backwards compatible though of course the Xbox 360 played a number of variations of games of the Xbox and a similar whitelist of backwards compatibility games is also enabled partially uh, on the Xbox One. But Microsoft's attempt to have backwards compatibility have not helped them in any marketplace. Meanwhile, Sony's honestly cynical attempts at making users pay for content they may already own doesn't seem to have given them any bad points from customers. So the question is, is Sony's approach to backwards compatibility better than Microsoft's? In a exclusive interview with Saheed Kamal Ahmad, former director of strategic content for PlayStation, a question was raised of backwards compatibility with him. Ahmad, who is now working at Double Eleven as part of an advisory board, had an interesting take on the matter. Quite here says, I've been making games or helping people to make games since 1982. I've seen a lot of things come and go. I'm not a great believer in backwards compatibility. I think that each device should have its own repertoire, its own vibe. As for whether publishers should charge for it or not... Well, that's really a matter for them. Ahmed went on to draw analogies with how it is handled in other media, pointing out the backwards compatibility while always making for a great marketing bullet point is rarely ever practical for mostly anybody beyond a niche. Quarthead says, if you look at films and music, those are different categories entirely. Obviously, if I've paid for a ton of CDs and vinyl, then I don't like to pay again for the digital streamed version, which is why I think iTunes Match is such a neat idea. Amazon have done a great job of allowing your previous CD purchase via Amazon to become easily. available available in your cloud collection, that's smart. But I bet if they had to pay the publisher for that, it's a great consumer benefit. With film 2, if I bought a Blu-ray, I don't want to pay again for a stream version. But you know what? I do. I bought the Bond collection on DVD, but when it came available on Apple TV, I bought it again, no hesitation. If I want to enjoy the originals, I still can. I can dig out my old consoles or my CD player or my DVD player. But do I really want to? It's become more and more of a niche, an important niche no doubt, but we enjoy the benefits of technology, and that means we often need to move with the times. So that is where we're at with this versus question. Obviously, he believes that, uh, you know, we should always be looking to the future, keeping with new games and moving forward. I think HD remakes or remakes of games are a really important way because you're still looking at the new technologies and it's being adapted in a new way, but you're still maybe get to play a game that you never got a chance to in the previous generation. But Our question today is backwards compatibility is a great way to replay our old games or is it just a distraction from the future of games companies? Now, Martin, as you won the vote, you get to pick uh, what your preference is.
1: I'm going to go for it's just a distraction from the future of games companies. And uh, would you like heads or tails?
0: I'm going to do the same tactic. In my head, I want to say tails, but I go with heads this time. Okay, you're going to go for heads. So we're going to use Siri. It's been a really popular method. I'm uh, going to ask Siri this time again. Let's give it a go, shall we? Heads or tails? Tails. It's tails. So, Martin, you got that it uh, is a great way to play all games, and I got it's a distraction for the future of game companies. As the winner, you can decide whether um, you go first or whether you go second. So would you like to go first or second?
1: Um, I would like to go second, please.
0: Okay, so you don't want to get in there, get, no? Uh, no,
1: uh, still trying to okay. regain my composure after losing the heads and tails.
0: Okay, that's fine. So, looks like I'm going first. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay, in three, two, one... Begin. Okay, so it's just a big distraction for Sony. They can bring new updates, bring us new features, and we all know that the reason they dropped from the PS3 is that they couldn't be competitive with the features and they couldn't be competitive with price, because they were so concentrated on backwards compatibility. That's why the PS4 has been such a success, price, and really getting there, really great features. Also. Why, why would Why would you want to do that? It stops companies from making HD remakes with really good new spins to the game. Bring something fresh and play your old game in a new way. And why else would you want to play the old game then? Well, wow, dead on time, Ben. Dead on time. Good argument. Woo! Mine's up next. He didn't get what he wanted, but hopefully he can make a good go of it anyway. He's saying the backwards compatibility is a great way to replay your old games. Martin, are you ready? Yep, I'm ready, Ben. Let's okay, do it. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one start
1: well we as gamers we fall in love with games and we go back to them over and over think about the fallout series and sort of kingdom hearts and the assassin creed original games and the future let me tell you what the future's going to be it's going to be more rehashed recycled stuff like assassins creed tell me The original Assassin's creed had probably the best growth ever and now it's slowly fading into obscurity and also as gamers we're very fickle we we only like games that we fall in love with as a childhood everyone remembers the old games and
0: these new games time is sorry martin there we go that's fair that's fair (laughs) okay so we're calling you right now yes you that you yeah that's listening right now don't forget Go on Twitter right now and abruptaudio.com forward slash pixel on the show notes. You can vote for whether Martin or myself, Ben, got the best answer in your opinion. And we want you guys to go ham on the votes this time. So go on Twitter at pixelpodcast and abruptaudio.com forward slash pixel. Vote now. Okay? I'm watching you.
1: To continue listening to the podcast, enter any 11-digit prime number after the beep. Beep.
0: With that, I'd like to wrap up this week's Pixel Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening just as much as we've enjoyed speaking into your ear. Martin, thank you very much for joining. Thank you, Ben. Always great to be here. Don't forget you can check us out in the usual way in the show notes on abruptaudio.com forward slash pixel to read everything we discussed this week on Twitter at Pixel Podcast, on the Stitcher app, which is Pixel Podcast, and of course, iTunes and the podcast app if you are an Apple user. And with that, I'd like to say thank you to Martin again. Thanks, Ben. And I'll see you guys next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Don't know
1: You've been listening to the Pixel Podcast. Thank you and good night. Or as they say in gamerspeak, G-G-N-O-R-E. Right, I tell you what, really yeah. weird thought. When I was walking back up here, I thought, I need we need to get more voters. And I said to myself, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna post this on my Facebook, maybe get my, my friends from Banbury. And you know that um, picture of like a load of thirteen year olds in hoodies with their coats with all these bad man poses? I was gonna say, I'll get my crew to vote for me. And that was the image I had. Martin has a crew. Oh, could you imagine me having a crew? No. Really? I mean no. think how awful my crew would be. What are you gonna do? Help people out on the street. Yeah, that's what my crew do. Wow.
0: Yeah, no, that no, I really can't know. That's, that's really puzzled me. There you go, Ben. Image not found. Can't <laughs> think of that. Me and my Bambury
1: crew represent. Even that just sounds weird from my mouth. <laughs> yeah.
0: If you're listening, uh, and you are from America, and thinking to come to the UK, stay away from Bambury. That's all I'm gonna say. Just tip Because I like to be informative. Yeah, I second that. That's and stay with Martin as well. Oh. Just. You might you might do some things with his gang. I don't know might <laughs> Martin, me, Martin, mean while Martin's looking very puzzled that's probably a good time that I should uh, stop recording now so if you're still listening then uh, I love you uh, have a nice week vote for Martin don't vote for Martin vote against Martin hashtag vote against Martin
1: hashtag Martin's crew no don't say that